Hello, and welcome to Intersect, a podcast where we find connection in each other's stories. Today, it is me, Lauren, and Pastor Moon, and Tatmint. We are so excited for our conversation today. We're going to be learning a little bit more about Tet and his story. So, welcome, Tet. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. So, I guess let's start off. Introduce yourself to listeners on the podcast. Sure. So, my name is Tet Mient. I am currently a medical laboratory science major here at Southern. Uh, I'm also, you know, the Student Association VP. Um, I'm from Indiana, the beautiful state of Indiana. Um, I went to academy all my life. Uh, my country, or my my family originates from the country of Burma, and my mom is Karen, and my dad is Burmese. So that's kind of a little bit about myself. My parents were refugees from that country, so they got here 1999 in December. So no, is Curran, uh is that a people group yeah. in Burma? Yeah, so that's like a, a a ethnic group inside of Burma. Okay. So I guess the technical term for the country is Myanmar, okay. and the inside Myanmar, there's multiple different ethnic groups, and Got one it. of them is Karen. All right, all right, good, good. That's where the word currency comes from. Not really, it's just sorry, <laughs> dad joke. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, how did you end up here at Southern? Sure. So, <clears throat> how did I end up here at Southern? Um, I went to, I've been in the Adventist system all my life, mm-hmm. from kindergarten all the way through, you know, academy. And I was originally actually planning on going to Andrews. But, you know, God opened new doors. All my friends went to Andrews. But um, God opened new doors for me, and I took a stab at Southern. And I felt, you know, it was probably like the more wiser economic choice for me. And I just did that, and I love it here, and it's great. Nice. Great, great. So, on Senate this year, Ted and I are on Senate. Ted is in charge, so he's my <laughs> boss. You were working with this Cadley Initiative, yeah. and you were working, were doing kind of a project mm-hmm. for raising money for the school over there. And I just wanted, I thought that was an interesting story. So I wanted to bring it onto the podcast, share a little bit about why you brought this to Senate. Also, maybe you could share a little bit more about how you ended up on Senate and just kind of talk about why you're connected to this. Yeah, so this is something that's uh, been on my mind since, you know, I was younger. And I guess the background of this, so the KLA Initiative, um, the goal is to help internally displaced people in Myanmar. And so what's happening right now, if you guys don't know, um, there's currently a civil war going on. Hmm. Um, February of 2019, I believe, uh, there was a military coup, and, and because of that, uh, there are many individuals who have had to run away from home. And of course, this is something that has happened before, um, way back in the 80s and the 90s. That's when my parents, that's how my parents came to America, and things were getting better, um, you could say, kind of. But then, of course, with the military coup, things got way worse, and now we are in a state of like civil war. And currently, there's, you know, like the military is, um, like, there's airstrikes happening on, like, village innocent villagers and um what's happening is so there's refugee camps on the eastern and the western border of Myanmar so in India and in Thailand um and what's my like if you're Karen which is what my mom is so you're usually on the uh eastern side so Thailand you border Thailand and so there are refugee camps um and what's happening is 
parents are having to leave their homes with their children, but then there's no space in these refugee camps. So what's happening is many children are then left in like front of these refugee camps or in villages near there um, because it's safer. And then the parents then have to run away in the jungles. So what's happening is there's an influx of children, um, you know, without any caretakers. And thankfully, though, you know, the Adventist, uh, Adventist missionaries have set up schools in these refugee camps and these outskirts and there are missionaries there. And what they do is they're, you know, these schools are places where these children um, are taken care of. But of course, you know, there's a need. There's not enough supplies. There's not enough, you know, um, there's not, there's no dormitories, things like that. And so what my mission is, um, I'm working with ASAP ministry, uh, Ministries. And, and that stands for? I actually do not know. Okay. But they are, they, right. they are uh, born out of, um, I think they're from Berrien. Okay. And so they work specifically in that area, South uh, Southeast Asia. And okay. so they work hand in hand with the uh, ethnic groups there just to supply like aid, support. And um, the way that it kind of all happened was one of my, my pastor in the ch church that I currently go to, um, he actually left to go back to Burma and to be a missionary. And so he's currently in the refugee camps and he's currently ministering and, you know, trying to make an impact because he saw that need and he took a chance. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my contact. He works for ASCP Ministries. And so he kind of just, you know, I have that connection there and he introduced me to certain individuals and I asked him, you know, what can I do? You know, and I felt as I was in a position where I could help. And I felt as though, you know, if I didn't do anything, then that would be like detriment not only to myself, but then, you know, I wouldn't be able to help the people that needed help. And so the goal is to raise funds um, in order to help build a uh, dormitory and just give them school supplies and aid. And it's in the village of Kaitle. So mm. there's, a, there's a little like village in Kaitle. It's way on the outskirts. You have to get there on like a, a moped. Like, you can't get there like... Um, with a car or anything it's mm. very very secluded which mm. is part of the reason why it's kind of safer mm -hmm. mm. but um so what we're doing is you know we're gonna try to you know supply aid and just raise funds and that's kind of what we're doing with the kaylee initiative okay and um i, I was just looking this up so <clears throat> Advoc advocates for southeast asians and the persecuted yeah which uh, they're their ASAP. I, I just got it. It's ASAP as yeah. soon as possible. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, all right. And so, so part of your connecting with this, obviously, your family's from Burma. So there, there's um, like family roots there. Probably, maybe even family over there. And I'm sorry, I, I, I missed maybe a bit there, but. You connected to this project through a uh, pastor? Yeah. yeah, through my pastor who, um, one of my pastors, he just, he saw the need uh -huh. and he decided to, you know, leave here and he, wait, he's back at Burma, you know, in the refugee camps and he's ministering. Doing oh, so he's on the ground. Yeah, he's on the ground. He's there. And you already had relationship yeah. with him. Mm -hmm. So between talking to him and whatnot, then you're like, He yeah, connected me to, you know, the entity I needed to be connected to in order to, you know, have a way to efficiently help, you know, because it's one thing, especially when you're raising funds um, for certain entities, you have to be careful mm -hmm. of like which organizations you're helping for sure. and making sure the money gets where it needs to get to. And so ASAP Ministries has a pretty good track record yeah. and um, they had, the door is open. So I took a, just, I just went. That's awesome. 
Super cool. So I, I love that we're being able to bring awareness to the situation because sure. I feel like that's a country not a lot of people know about. So share a little bit about like, I know this just kind of started yeah. here at Southern, but have you been able to connect with some someone else on campus yeah. who is connected to this? So my roommates, so I live in Mississippi 5 in the stateside apartments. Um, I have three other roommates and they're all from the country of Myanmar. Um, mm-hmm. So it's Ice Isaac, um, there's Josh Pong, and then there's Muang. They're all... Um, the majority of us are Karen. I have Karen in us, but then there's Wong who's um, Chin, and that's on the uh, their people group reside on the western side of Myanmar, which would be um, uh, bordering, bordering India. India, bordering okay. India, yeah. And so we kind of have those roots, and we've kind of been working together. Um, a lot of things are kind of still working out the details. Most of our fundraising is going to occur uh, next semester. So mm-hmm. right now, I've been talking to ASAP, and we're just figuring out, you know what it's going to look like, um, especially for this undertaking and trying to get school involved. And so I do have help. I do have a team. But also I've, you know, presented my initiative to Student Association and our Student Senate, and they've all been on board, which is a great thing. And, you know, a lot of a lot of doors have been opened. And on top of that, my little brother, he's also a uh, Student Association member at his academy that he's mm. at right now. Mm. And they recently went to a leadership uh, conference with like the surrounding, you know, um, other academies in the Lake Union Conference, mm. and he was able to, you know, make connections, make friends, and he kind of, you know, I'm really super proud of him actually. But he's he's been able to like, recruit some of those academies, and so mm. hopefully we'll be working with you know academies academies across the Lake Union Conference. Mm, um, nice. But yeah, doors are, doors have been opened, and so for us right now, it's just making sure that we lay the foundation so that um, we can be effective next semester in in our fundraising Mm, efforts all right so you're kind of in that process of putting all the pieces in place so that Mm -hmm. when you put the invitation out there people can really plug in for sure for sure yeah so you shared a lot about like a lot of doors being Mm -hmm. open and stuff maybe share a little bit about how your spiritual journey has been impacted because i know this is like a mission Mm -hmm. field and even though you're not there. Have you actually ever been yeah, here? Yeah, I have. Uh, to Burma? To Burma? Yeah, I have been. Yeah, yeah so, so you've been there and you've seen it. How have you been spiritually impacted in, because obviously mm-hmm. that's why you're you're yeah. going for this, because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Share a little bit about that journey. So ever since I was young, um, my parents have instilled in me, you know, a, a mindset of service. And I think that just, you know, it's one thing to say you're a Christian and to, you know, know everything you need to know, but to actually live and to be in service is something that um, is really present on my like on, on my heart. You know, it's not enough for me to just know all the right things. I need to make sure that I'm I'm serving. And so when I'm given an opportunity to serve, um, I should take a stab at it. I should at least try. And so in my you know conversations with God and just working, you know, um, building on that relationship I have with them, um, something that I've always told him is if I'm given an opportunity where I can serve, I will do everything I can to make sure that I don't say no, you know? Mm. So even with, like, signing up to be a, like, on essay, to be the VP, that was a door that was opened. Um, I had no idea that I was going to do it, really. Mm-hmm. I was a senator that year, and then next thing you know, someone said, hey, you should run for student association vice president. And I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that, I'm not that, I don't think I'm that guy. I don't think I can, you know, I don't have the... You know, the popularity, you could say, whatever. But, you know, 
I decided to just go for it. I prayed about it. I decided to go for it. And because of that, you know, multiple, even more doors were opened that have allowed me to, you know, serve not only, you know, my peers, but like the school in general in a way that I could have never imagined. And it's been a great experience, especially on uh, on Senate, you know, helping manage Senate and just um, being on the SA team. But on top of that, you know, it's it's given me a platform that I wouldn't have had otherwise if I had said no. So you made a decision to say, God, if there's an opportunity, mm-hmm. I'm willing to pursue it. Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard what it is. You should serve. You should serve. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, that just brings to mind a couple things for me. One is uh, there's this guy, Stephen Covey. Uh, he wrote this book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And, and he says, to know and not to do is not to know. It's like there's things that we can grow up with, we can be told all our life, but until we actually take a step out to to do what we're learning, it's like we don't really know mm-hmm. it. Um, so that came to mind. And, and then the other thing that just sparked for me as you were saying that is that I think sometimes I'm, in a, I'm 50, right? So I think we can all fall into this trap of like, well, God, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Um, you know, show me my life purpose and my life calling. And, and and it's almost like it's this nebulous, or it may be a specific thing, but it's huge. It's like, well, uh, I want to plant a mega church or mm-hmm. whatever. I'm a pastor, so we think sometimes like that. But um, but really, you may not know all the ins and outs of your life calling, but you've just said, you know what, if there's an opportunity and it seems like God's in it, I'm going to take that opportunity. Yeah. How do you think that impacts even like just how we find our calling maybe? Yeah. I think the core of it is though, is just, you know, not being afraid, you know, Mm. you have to, you have to have some type of faith in knowing that, you know, my life is in God's, God's hands. You know, no matter where I go, no matter what I'm doing, my life is in his hands. And that's mm. something that I've, you know, been able to um, realize just through like certain situations in my life where, you know, I've been mad at God. I've mm. felt as though he wasn't there. But then in retrospect, I look back and say he was there that whole time. And mm. now going forward, I can now know that, you know, no matter what situation, whether I'm supposed to be in it or not, he's going to mm-hmm. be right by my side. Mm. And so, and so when I'm giving those opportunities to serve, um, eventually, you know, God will, God will let me know, hey, take a step back. Hey, mm. don't do this. Hey, you should do this. You know, the, just, mm. just having that dialogue with him is super important, at least for me. Um, so what that looks like is just, you know, prayer. And I'll, I'm not the best you know, at like morning devotions and such, but yeah. I, I, I have realized that that connection, especially in the scriptures, um, is something that, you can't, it has, it has to occur, you know, especially yeah. if you're someone who wants to serve and you want to be in line with what, you know, his purpose is for you, mm-hmm. you need to be in scripture. Like you need to pray. You need yeah. to make sure you have that, that line of connection, you know, and a lot of that is discipline and, you know, I'm still working on that. And, um, but that's kind of where I'm at right now, spiritually, you could say, and just learning how to, um, have that faith, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. There's this thought uh, in the book Steps to Christ that Jesus lived his life between the mountain and the multitude. It's mm-hmm. like 
And I envision him on the mountain, you know, just those times where he'd come away and pray with his father. But then the disciples would show up and they're like, wait a second, the, the multitude's out there, they're waiting for you. And so then he would go and mingle among the, mount, the multitude. And so it's almost like our prayer life um, gives us power mm -hmm. to serve, but then our life of service empowers our prayers. Oh, for sure. That's the, something I've mm -hmm. noticed. When I'm in service, that's when I feel the most connected to Christ. Even mm -hmm. though I may not have the time to, you know, have that devotion or have that scripture mm -hmm. or, or that prayer, like the fact that I'm serving and I'm doing it hand in hand with Christ, mm -hmm. it's just, it's a sensation that, you know, I've been able to experience like a couple of times in my life, but it's something that, you know, I've personally feel drawn to and something that, you know, I want to pursue for the rest of my life. Wow, for sure, yeah some great insight we have here. So a little bit about, um, we could go back to talking mm -hmm. about the Caitlay um, project that you're working on. I was thinking, because you said you had been to mm -hmm. Burma. Talk a little bit about when were you there? Yeah, so it was right before I went to academy. So I was probably like eighth grade ended and then it was the summer and I was there for three months. And so I was there for a pretty significant amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, so growing up, my parents had told me of this, you know, this beautiful land and beautiful people and beautiful, you know, great food and such. And, you know, it's almost whimsical, you know. It's like, oh, this place is, you know, the place is, this place is amazing. And so I got there and it was a culture shock, I'll be honest. You know, growing up, um, learning about just like just I wasn't exposed to, you know, like a third world country. Mm -hmm. And that was the first culture shock. I was like, wow, I'm blessed, you know? And the fact that my parents experienced life like this in an environment like this and to have come out of it and sacrifice, you know, what they love and for, for a better life for me, you know, it's something that I will always um, hold in high regard because mm -hmm. I, I have to live my life in gratitude, especially of that sacrifice that they made because I wouldn't be here sitting, you know? But when I was there, I met my grandfather, and w when I was there, uh, I remember walking up into, you know, the house that my father grew up in, and it's like a little shack. Um, it used to be like a—my father family, they used to be blacksmiths, and so in the back, there's like a little coal shed, but it wasn't, you know—it was very—something that if you were—if this was like the building in America— They'd be like health violations or health codes. Like it'd be crazy, you know. It's like you, you can't live there. But here, here I was, you know, spending like three or two months with my grandfather here, and I realized a greater like appreciation for life in general and just the fact that you know I'm blessed, you know. And mm -hmm. so, what am I going to do with the fact that I have all this given to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And that just put things into perspective, and that helped me realize that these people are people that I want to help, I want to serve. And so during that time, um, I remember I got sick because we, we were eating the food there and the water and such. So I got sick for like two weeks. And my little brother got, he was even more sick than me. My little brother went with me. And we went to a clinic there and um, it wasn't, it was run down. There was only one clinic within like this fairly large, you know, um, village. And she was doing her best, but she had like, very little supplies and stuff, but she was doing as much as she could. And that just kind of like lit a spark in me and helped me like, I mm -hmm. want to do this. You know, I want to help these people like one day. And my goal right now is to, you know, one day either, you know, become a physician or some type 
and go back to this country and open up a clinic. And my someone that I look up to um, is Eric B. Hare. He was a mm. missionary mm-hmm. in Burma, actually. And so the grow- yeah. yellow truck was coming. <laughs> yeah, growing up with those stories. <laughs> those yeah, yeah, I heard those stories too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So growing with those stories and my my I have family members like my grandfather, he's met him. So it's pretty cool. That just kind of comes full circle, you know? I just feel as though that's something that I want to do in my life one day. And so hopefully, you know, God takes me in that direction. But being there on on, you know, being there and just um, walking around and realizing that despite the fact that they don't have much, these are some of the most happiest people I've ever met. And that was something that was really eye-opening for me because um, I've never seen so many people so happy with so little. And mm. that was also a culture shock for me because mm. in America, I grew up, you know, it's very materialistic and people wanting the next thing, the next mm-hmm. big thing, the next iPhone, whatever. Mm. But then here... I saw like uh, I had a nephew. He was so happy about the fact that he had a soccer ball, and like he he cherished his soccer ball. He would wash it after every game, and just seeing that and realizing, hey, I'm I'm blessed. I need to make sure that I don't, I, I'm I'm not blessed for no reason, you know. Hmm. And just making sure that you know I'm able to give back in any type of way that I can, and just being there, seeing the people, I found a newfound love for uh, my culture and who I am. Um, because for a while, you know, when you're born in the States, but your family originated from somewhere else, mm-hmm. there's a piece of you like, oh, I'm not actually, you know, um, mm-hmm. from there. I'm not actually, you know. But part of that is like, I am from there. That's my history. You know, that's my lineage. Like my my family was there. And the goal is to, you know, just stay in America. Like, America is great enough. Like, not just to stay here in, you know, land of comfort, but to then go back one day and help the people that, you know, um, need it. And that's something that my parents have always, you know, instilled in me as well is we sacrificed our lives so that, you know, you could have this future here. But the whole reason is, you know, for you to go back and help make that situation there better one day, you know. And it's just that comes back to like the whole life of service. And that's just something that I personally feel super passionate about. It's just in, 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 wherever God takes me, making sure that I am living a life of service. And it's hard at times, obviously, like school gets in the way sometimes or just personal vendettas, like just things that, you know. I love um, what you're saying in the sense of like generational vision. So it's like your parents had a vision beyond their lifetime Mm -hmm. and you're kind of picking that up and, and experiencing this vision beyond your lifetime of, you know, what can I do to invest um, in the people that came before me, so to speak, but also to make a way for the people who would come after me. Mm-hmm. And um, even the fact that sometimes God can have a generational vision that like when your grandfather's working in the, you know, in, in, in the blacksmith shop, I don't know whether he ever thought, well, I want something beyond for my children and grandchildren. I, I would guess that very likely he did. Um, but then there's this texture even sometimes where God is doing things in our experience that are far beyond the blacksmith shop. And yet the blacksmith shop is also this amazing thing too because you step into it and you realize something about yourself in that process. So, Yeah, and I think it's so cool. Something that just really stood out to me from what you were saying was when you were there and you were younger, you were like, I want to come back and I want to be a doctor and help these people. And here you are studying to be a doctor and you are helping 
these people in yeah. ways that you can here. So I just think that's evidence of God leading you on what you see is your life calling. And, and not that's wait, super inspiring. Yeah, not waiting yeah. to help and when you've, quote, reached yeah, your destination, mm-hmm. but saying, I'm helping today. Let's yeah. help today. Like that's something saying, that I've realized. Life yeah. of service. I think you are a glowing example of that. Thank you. But for I, inspiration. Something I've realized, you know, within this even year is like, I don't have to wait until I'm, I have the qualifications to serve. Hmm. And that's something that was pressing on my heart. When this Kaylee initiative was kind of forming, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, like, you have the facilities to help right now, you know? Hmm. All you have to do is just, you know, take a step. And hmm. taking that step was probably one of the harder things because then you have to, you know, you might get denied or people might say, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. But I've realized that, you know, just taking that step and realizing that you can serve now, mm-hmm. like that is that kind of just did like a paradigm shift for me. Because for the longest time, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to become a doctor first. And then I'm going to serve. And then I'm going to open up a clinic. And then I'm going to, you know. Mm-hmm. But realizing that I, I've been placed in a situation where, you know, it's like the journey of becoming that. I, along the way, mm-hmm. I can serve. Mm-hmm. And I just reading about, you know, in the Bible, examples of that where in the process of becoming who God intended them Intended for them to become, mm-hmm. they were serving all along. Yeah, you know, yeah. And that that process was just so eye-opening for me, at least. Yeah, uh, I have a friend Ingrid Jones, and her big thing, like, and she works in the public schools, but she also does catering, and like mm-hmm. her catering, she gives the proceeds to this um, organization in Haiti, right? So, um, and she she always her big thing is what's in your hand, you know. Mm. Is sometimes we're thinking, well, I'll serve when. And God's really just like, you know, like he said to Moses, like, what's in your hand? He's like a staff. And he's like, well, throw it down. And it became a servant. Pick it up again. You know, and he's like, now that's going to be a sign for your doubters when you get and the elders of Israel are like, well, who sent you? And, you know, and so God is, I think, sometimes just saying, what's in your hand right mm-hmm. now? What, how can you serve right now? Yeah. Like, I think, especially as college students, you know, we think, oh, we're too broke to help. We're too busy to help. But the thing is, like, you know, what we have is our youth. What mm. we have is energy. Mm. And using that energy in a way that in, in service of others is one of the greatest gifts of like mm. our youth. You know, yeah. and just creating a culture where, where we realize that and where we're able to, you know, really be willing to invest not only like our time and our, our energy, but our gifts and our talents mm-hmm. in a way that is in service of others is something that, you know, is also pressing on my heart. It's like, hey, yeah. we can do something amazing if we just let ourselves, you know, mm. if we just give it to God and say, hey, it's yours and just let him, let him do what he always That's has awesome. done. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much yeah. for coming on and sharing kind of your full circle story yeah. and <laughs> where God is leading you right now. Um, just thank you so much for coming on and sharing an inspiring story. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time on Intersect.